0: hello and welcome to the everything is black and white podcast live on the chronicle and UFC facebook youtube and twitter pages and later on our podcast channel if you're watching live on facebook youtube or twitter do get into the comments and put your questions to myself or our newcastle united editor aaron stokes and if you're listening on the podcast channel please remember to like and follow it just helps us get the episodes out to a wider audience aaron newcastle beat brentford 5-1 up at st james's park fantastic result uh, not the best of performances i didn't think and we'll get into that um, as we get into the show but uh, yeah uh, you know the scoreline was brilliant the crowd certainly enjoyed it, and it was just nice to see um, Newcastle win by such a large number of goals.
1: Yeah, good to see them win in a convincing fashion after what was, you know, a shaky start of the game. Good to see that they've put nine goals past two opponents uh, in the last two weeks without really having, you know, all their attacking players back fit and firing. So, um, as you've just alluded to, there, I think, you know, there is better to come. I don't think it was a vintage performance, but it was. Um, Certainly a very good one and one that Eddie Howe was pleased with. Um the challenge now is just making sure they keep it up.
0: Yeah, I thought they were quite sloppy at times, especially in the first half, guilty of giving the ball away, you know, missed time passes. I thought there were a couple of players who who didn't perform overly well and they relied on, on, you know, the top level players such as Bruno and Trippier to get them really I don't want to say out of a hole because it was it wasn't that bad, but they were sloppy and I, I I do think against better sides that they will get punished on the flip side I thought what was really important from from Newcastle's point of view is that they punished Brentford for their mistakes so while Newcastle weren't at their best it's refreshing because we know the best is yet to come and they're, yet they're still winning 5-1 when they are making a few sloppy mistakes.
1: Yeah definitely I thought it was going to be one of those games when Brentford took the lead early on before that uh, VAR call I thought it was going to be you know, another home game where they sort of fail to, you know, capitalise and make it. But as you said, they're really encouraging to see them actually taking their chances this time after what we saw at Bournemouth and Palace. Um, I thought the first half, the, f- the first section of the first half was a bit, as you say, a bit sloppy. Um, You know, there wasn't too much energy. But I thought as soon as they got that first and second goal, you know, it never really looked in doubt. And I think when Brentford scored that penalty, you know, it was in a period of the game where Brentford were actually grown into it. Um, so I think Bruno getting that second, his second goal of the game and the third really killed it. And it was good to see them react, you know, so soon after conceding.
0: Yeah, you mentioned there uh, the goal that was not a goal from Brentford's point of view. And over the last few weeks from being uh, complainers of VAR, we're now probably celebrating VAR because of the decisions have finally been going Newcastle United's way. You know, it was one of those where... The referee had to go to the monitor to do to determine whether Ivan Tony was involved in play. He made the right call, and I think that was it. Was clearly a huge, huge decision, a huge moment in the game because at that point, you know, with the, the context of what Saturday was, you know, the, the first game mark and the anniversary of the, of the takeover. I think the goal behind to a goal relatively early on. Would Newcastle have maybe struggle to get back into the game? Perhaps. Yeah, potentially. I
1: think we we've seen sometimes at at St James's Park this season that um, you know the crowd hasn't been able to pick the players up, and I think the start of that game was a little bit flat. I think when Brentford scored, it, you know it was quite a good team goal by Brentford, but the defence were caught a bit flat footed. Um, so they, you know, they they did have a, a, a stroke of luck, making sure you know with the VAR calling um the goal. So. Look, absolutely fantastic response after that when it back, went back to nil-nil. Absolutely wasted no time getting the first goal. Brilliant set piece routine, and then obviously capitalising on that mistake to make it 2 0 before half time. Um, so yeah, look, not not a vintage performance, not you know like some of them we've seen under Howl, the likes of Arsenal and stuff like that. But I think still a very very good game and, and one that needs to be sort of you know praised for them.
0: We've got the comment here from Kev, and he says it, it's nice to have the qualities in the side now that we can grind out results. And it seems, in many ways, strange to be saying that when Newcastle have won five-one. But I do think the performance was one of those when Newcastle did have to really, really kind of work at it because they were sloppy at times. And as I've mentioned, I think against better sides, against maybe a Brighton or all the top side, the sides above, you know, like Liverpool, Man City. They will get punished for giving the ball away and someone's mentioned Longstaff they're saying he was sloppy I, I agree I thought Dan Byrne didn't have the best of games either but what you did have is you had players like Bruno and Trippier uh, stepping up and, and really showing their quality and I, I think on Saturday what we saw was we saw the level of those two you know they've really set the bar uh, they're just two exceptional players and for me those two when they're on form together, Newcastle, are, are a scary force.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, everybody's you know, waxing lyrical about Bruno, as they should be. Um, but it does sort of feel like Trippy as maybe the unsung hero of Saturday's win. You know, he was, um, as, as we're going to go on to in more detail in a bit, he was picking the players up when things were going wrong. He was um, very, very vocal throughout. And, you know, while Bruno provides a lot going forward, Trippy is really
0: the, the man that organises that defence at the back when he's got that captain's armband on. Steve Hinton there saying Bruno was great. He was he was he was fantastic and you can you can see why there's been links to to Real Madrid and Juventus, but he said after the game that he wants to be a legend at Newcastle and you can see that he's already halfway to being one. You have uh, written a piece over the weekend, Darwin, about Newcastle United's best ever midfielder. There's a survey running on chronicle where hundreds of you guys have already shared your view on who Newcastle's best midfielder is. Um there are a couple of players I think people would say are missing from that list, but you know, the, the, the likes of Rob Lee, Johan, Kabay. I did actually hear someone on Saturday say, Imagine if Kabay was in this side, I mean, it would be a, 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 a well, nearly an untouchable uh, centre midfield partnership. But Bruno, you know, we, we We go back to the point about Newcastle having to grind out results and you're gonna rely on players like him to have that moment of quality uh It turned out on Saturday he had quite a few moments of quality uh and he just you know he led from the front and two really really good goals and two different goals as well, which I think is is important it shows that variety within his his uh his armory
1: yeah one hundred percent and I think you know it's quite striking the fact that he's been here nine months. Um, you know, hasn't played all the games and yet we're still all of a sudden talking about um, him being, you know, potentially the best midfielder that a lot of us have ever seen in a Newcastle shirt. Now, I got a really quite a funny text off my mate midway through the game on Saturday. He was sat up in level seven watching the game and after Bruno's second, he texted me saying, Bruno Gamares makes Johan kabai look like Matty Patterson. Now, for anyone watching or listening who doesn't know who Matty Patterson is, he played about 10 games <laughs> for Newcastle about 15 years ago, but... He is really all of a sudden surpassing fantastic servants of this football club. After like I say, only being there uh, nine months, I think.
0: I'm gonna. I'm gonna just come in with a bit of caution because, okay. as as ever, as ever, you <laughs> know. I think you know. Let's just keep the feet on the ground. He had a fantastic game, but I remember when we were. Uh, you know, bigging him up, and was it against Brighton? I know he just could he just come back from injury, perhaps. Yeah, I think and it was he didn't, away, he, didn't it? he didn't have the best of games there. You know, you've got to remember he's the only human. He's not Superman as much as we might think he is. And I think a little bit like it was with Fulham, a little bit. I think we've got to apply it here as well. They've won five one. Players had a good game, but you know it's Manchester United next week. The, the same players who won Newcastle that game on Saturday may have a bad game. Against Manchester United, you just got to, you know, we've got to, we just got to not not get too far ahead of ourselves. And I think consistency is, is is the key word. And if in the next three or four games, it's still at this level, the players are still putting the, the ball in the back of the net, Castle have picked up X amount of points, then then maybe you can get out the the Bunton. But do you, do you think he's been consistent
1: so far? I would say he has. I think over the nine months.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh you, Over the over the time. Yeah. But I think, you know, it, you've. you've He's still he's still gonna have that ability to have a bad game, and it's just about getting the balance right. You know, it's getting that he's not always gonna play that well. And actually, someone said to me uh, on on Saturday evening that they didn't think Bruno was was as good as he has been in other games. He scored two, but they thought he was still sloppy in possession in times, and he was making the wrong decisions in the first half. And yet he's come out with this man of the match performance. Now, this is the beauty of it. It's all about opinions, oh,
1: isn't it? 100%, definitely. 100% it is. But, I mean, I think even before that second goal went in from Bruno, I think that first half was him at his best. And I was watching the first half when Joe Willock and Sean Longstaff and Jacob Murphy were running it, Brentford's defence with the ball. And they didn't really look phased. Whereas when he picks up the ball, it just feels like there's there's just this ball of energy around him and you just think players just don't want to get near him and I think even before that second goal went in from Bruno I thought he was having a really good game. I've watched that that third Newcastle go back a lot of times already and the graft he puts in to chase that ball back, win the tackle and then thinks I'm going to go myself I, I completely understand what you're saying about people getting ahead of themselves. I personally don't know if he's the best midfielder I've ever seen in a Newcastle shirt. I think he's certainly in the debate but I just think we've paid thirty-six million for a player who already looks like he could be world class now and and potentially in the future.
0: I think uh, our colleague Ross Gregory made an interesting point when he he put his view out on the survey and he said he picked Rob Lee because he was consistent over a decade now. You know, these days we know players stopping the clubs for for that amount of time is a very very rare thing, and if you're talking in terms of Ability, then many people would say, well, Bruno is better than than Rob Lee. But the consistency is the key. You know, when Johan Gabay left Newcastle to go to PSG and then out of Palace, he never reached the heights, in my view, that he had reached at Newcastle. So it's all about consistency over a long period of time. The best players will be consistent over four, five, six years. I'm not saying come back to us in six years' time and then we'll uh, then I'll get the button out for Bruno. But I think that's the interesting point. It's about, you know, just n- n- not looking at the last nine months and saying, oh, he's the best player we've ever seen. L- let's look at it in a year, two years' time, 80 months, you know, when there's a more rounded picture.
1: Well, I, I certainly hope he's here in the next 12 months because I think, obviously, we had those sort of... Um, you know rumours to Real Madrid in the summer how true we were we don't really know you're looking at his performances now in this team and you think if Newcastle somehow don't manage to finish you know 6th or 7th or 8th this season is a club going to think you know what we can we can take Bruno Guimara and look he's came out over the weekend done a really good interview you know he spoke to, to Lee Ryder on Saturday and said that he wants to become a legend here at the club but you know money talks Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester City they're big big clubs to turn down and my only worry is that Newcastle don't progress at the rate Bruno progresses, and you end up losing them. Now, look, it might not happen, but you know I think we need to, you know, we we need to save from
0: Wiley's here for sure. And just before anyone writes in and calls me a, a miserable so and so, I do think Bruno Gomes <laughs> is absolutely mint. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep everyone's feet.
1: Just on playing that was African. Yeah, you? that's that's the, right that's, the that's the yeah. right word. That's the right
0: word. We mentioned trip, yeah for me on saturday he put in a man of the match performance i know everyone's given to bruno and course he will do two goals and, and what have you but trippier he's just an unbelievable player he's 32 as well and he's playing out there like he's a 26 27 year old and, you know it's going to be really interesting to see how how fit he can keep himself and you know that and how long newcastle um can can have him as a first choice right back at the levels they want to go to i hope it is you know for the for the next couple of years at the very least um but saturday just reaffirmed to me what a fantastic leader he is i was sat in the the, the corner of the east Stan these bit and so you get to see quite a quite a good view and i got to see a a lot of trivia in that first half and what he was doing um just talking to players directing them you know it, it's no surprise that Miggy, I think, has come on leaps and bounds yep. under under uh, you know his kind of stewardship, playing behind him. But there was other things like you know just just patting people on the back, applauding Nick Pope when the penalty went in straight away. He's there, he's clapping his hands. Come on, you know there was a, a moment. I've written a piece about this on Chronicle Live when Botman makes a clearance and it turns out that the strike actually is quite tame, and it would have just trickled into the hands of Pope. And Pope's kind of like he didn't need to do that. Botman's looks up at him as he's on the floor, and he's like, you know, "Yeah, he looks a bit dejected." And Trippier goes over to him, pushes him on the back, helps him up, and then gives him another shove on his chest. And it's like, "Come on, that needed to happen." You were doing what a good defender does—you were making sure because you weren't to know that shot wasn't going to be t- that shot was going to be tame. You were just putting safety first, getting it out. And it's them little moments I think, when it could go the other way, you know. Botman could switch off for that corner that he conceded. You know, it, it, it's it's them little moments of experience where Trippier is just making sure everyone's switched on. Everyone's feeling like they've done a good job, and it's paying dividend because, honest, I I, I could go on all afternoon about just how good of a player. Off the ball he is. We're not even talking yet about that assist. We're talking off the
1: ball. Well, this has been our sort of mini debate in the office today between me and yourself, isn't it, as to who should get my match it's me. Bruno? I think it's you're me against... against the
0: whole Newcastle United fan base, to be honest. Yeah,
1: I think someone's just wrote in the comments there, they're glad that you clarified that Bruno was mint because it sounded like you, were, you weren't you were impressed. But yeah, look, Tripp, you're fantastic. Um, look, he was, it was always going to happen that he was going to get the armband when Lascelles wasn't in the team. And I think, you know, we know why... Um, Eddie Howe rates him so highly, as you say, off the ball. Um, just an absolute brilliant motivator of player. As someone's mentioned in the comments here, Stephen Hinton says, um, he reads the game so well, and he really does from right back. You know, he can see he's constantly keeping that line in check. He's constantly keeping Cher and Botman and even Matt Target in check. Absolutely fantastic. I feel like, you know, I've just been talking there about potentially losing Bruin. I feel like in Trippier, yeah, we've got someone who's going to probably see out his career. here. you know, he's he's already got the armband. He's already a fan favorite. Um, and you made a very good point in the office today that actually, you know, we need to get him in on the coach and set up oh, as soon 100%. as he finishes. You play. get
0: you get him a new contract, and you say, look, here's a coaching position for when you're ready to hang up your boots, because the difference he will make to an academy. Uh, you know to to a first team as, as a coach I think would be unbelievable but like I say hopefully that's two or three years down the line if he keeps fit but yeah it's just and he knows how to wind the opposition up you saw him getting into in into Tony's face trying to delay the spot kick things like that that I think when we're talking about uh, Trent, Alexander, Arnold um, in terms of the England position fullback, that is another element another kind of uh, was it Feather in, in, in Trippier's hat which will put him above the Liverpool fullback because it's that experience and that know-how of just to wind the opposition up or just how to encourage your teammates and just be vocal that's what Trippier brings
1: yeah he does really and I think you know as we've touched on how really likes him and and Southgate too. You can see why he's been in and around that England team for so long. Um, and Billy Gadissier has just asked a question in the comments about, you know, why sort of the, the national media don't really mention trips when they're talking about England's best right back. And I think it's a fair question because look, England have got a fantastic pool of right backs. Rhys James is is absolutely fantastic. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold on his day going forward is, is really, really world-class. And then obviously you've got Kyle Walker and, and obviously trips. So, I don't think it's an anti Newcastle bias or anything like that. That's being suggested, but I just think he's up against a really tough category there, isn't he? And we, yeah. we all know how good he is. We see him week in, week out. But he's he's fighting some really, really good players to get in that England side.
0: I don't think it's a an anti Newcastle bias. I, I do think it's a little bit disrespectful though yeah. because it's all about it's all about you know the, uh, Alexander Arnold. It's all about him. But it's 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 not about whether Can Kyun and trivia deservedly get ahead of him it's you know it, it that's never the focus and it should be you look at the form if you're going on form should be as ahead of ahead of everyone we've mentioned there yeah. if you're going on ability then it gets a little bit closer is Kyle Walker better than Kevin Trippier you could potentially argue so for me I think it goes
1: in terms of pure ability I think you'd have Reese James is, is probably the best right back England have I think then you've probably got Trips. And then Walker and Alexander arnold can probably
0: fight it out. You, you, but then you see the focus is the other way around. It's yeah, the bottom oh, two that you've named there is the top two. It's now
1: this is that this this may be where Billy has a point is that if Trippier was still playing for Spurs, would he would he get mentioned more? You know, does he does he only fall so far down in the conversation because he's at Castle, I don't know, but look, touchwood he stays fit. We know he had a a little bit of an issue Saturday when he went down after the first goal. Hopefully he sees through that. Hopefully you know he goes, has a good World Cup. Um, and we can enjoy a a fully fit Q and Trippier at the end of the season
0: Honestly man I just just what a player Yeah
1: I mean fantastic and and somebody's made a great point there I think it's Kev Donnelly in the comments saying um, Trippier is the best piece of business we've done and I think a lot of people will say Bruno, a lot of people... Without without
0: Trippier, there wouldn't be a Bruno. Exactly, yeah.
1: He w- everybody makes the point, and it's so true, that he was the first to take the leap. He left Atletico Madrid, where he was playing week in week out, Champions League football, trying to win La Liga, to come to you know what was a um, relegation threat on Newcastle at the time. And he sort of was the first building block in this, in this new foundation.
0: And when I haven't even talked about Trippier's ability on the pitch... You know, we saw on Saturday defensively strong. Doesn't dive in; he just tracks and tracks, and he times the the, the tackle perfectly. He's good on the ball. He had the most touches on on, on Saturday. His his pass accuracy was second highest, behind only Bruno Gomes. And there was only one pass in it. You know, and then the assist for Bruno's goal was 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 quite something. And again, I was in the corner there. And one of the things that stood out was Trippier has actually gone to take that corner. Bruno runs over and he just he just points points to himself and then Bruno uh, runs into the well, on the edge of the box. Almiron then swaps with Trippier and Trippier, you know, gets the ball and whips that fantastic crossing. But the, the first thing there is that communication between the players, you know, and the fact that they've worked on the training ground on this. It was clearly a well worked routine. Previous manager at Newcastle, I mean, <laughs> one's been sacked today. Uh, the, the, it is well not his current club anymore, but you know that kind of thing probably never even came in, in into the mind.
1: Nah, one hundred percent. And I think you know we we asked Eddie how about it in the, in the press conference after and we asked him, you know, as to whether a set piece coach had been hired, and he said no, it's all it's all Jason Tyndall. He said I've got to I've got to praise Jason for the work he's done, and he did say that was straight off the training ground. I mean, for a trip yeah, to do that ball
0: first time to get it literally pinpoint on Bruno's head it's one thing to get in the position and all that but to actually be that clinical yeah. with the plan is it, it shows you the levels and you are like going to yeah. and what a cross yeah
1: brilliant and I thought you know we've seen it you know for nine months now with Tripp yeah what he adds going forward with those crosses in the box he, he's just as you say brilliant off the pitch brilliant as a leader and a mentor, but actually even at 32, he's still really, really a top-class player.
0: And if you search Trippier on Twitter, you'll see a video that a fan has posted of Trippier watching the VAR monitor as the referee goes over to see whether Tony's goal deserves to be chalked off. And it is—it's another example of Trippier just doing what he does best. You know, he watches it once, and then you can hear—he's offside, and you know, he's laughing, and then he's—he knows, he knows then he turns around as the referee disallows it and just says to the players, like, calm down, let's get organised. Because at that moment, it's another moment that's in the balance. OK, you haven't conceded a goal, but you'll still be the most vulnerable. You've got to make sure that when you restart, you set up and you're ready to go. And he does it, you know. And it, it is literally just a couple of gestures. He saw his hands go down and he does a little swirl in the air and he just gets them all organised. And it's it's great to see... Great to see that happening. You see with other players as well. You see, you saw Callum Wilson doing it for the penalty. He was uh, he pointing to his to, to his forward as Tony stepped up and saying Just you know, focus. You know, obviously he's thinking if this gets saved, we get the ball, we get up the pitch. You've got it all over the pit, all over the pitch. Bruno coming to Trippier and saying, right, let's do this corner routine is another example of this leadership, which has been lacking in Newcastle for many years and often it would only be Jamal LaSalle's talking or Matt Ritchie and now you've got it in abundance.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, you've touched Bruno there. I think his English is getting better. He's grown in stature in the dressing room along with Trippier, yeah. Joel you know, I wrote a piece out of on Saturday and it was just about Joel He started on the bench, but, you know, myself and Kieran Kelly were watching them come off the pitch and Joel and was, he had his arm around Willock, giving him words of advice. He was talking to Miggy before they came on, you know. They've got some big, big names in this dressing room now, big you know, players who have got a big voice and leaders. Um, and yeah, Trippier, as you say, was sort of the start of that when he came in, in January. It's
0: interesting you mentioned Joe Linton because when Trippier was coming back from his injury last season, he was doing exactly the same. He's warming up, but he was telling you know, players where to go. He was telling Kraft, you've got to get in that position. And you think about Joe Linton, and someone's mentioned Mickey here in the comments about how well he's been coached under Howe. And we'll talk about that in a second, but I think you've got to look at Joe Linton as well because Joe Linton of old would not be doing that. Joe Linton of old would be out there, two minutes, do a little jog, do a few stretches back to the bench. But he's just another player like Miggy who has just come on leaps and bounds under Eddie Howe and it's it, it, it's amazing to see that he's found a voice, Joe Linton.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think you know we've all seen Joe Linton's transformation on the pitch but you know he clearly now and he's another player who's been improving his English, making a you know a valid, valid effort to do that. Um and he's now grown into this big dressing room figure which who is helping Miggy. Miggy is for me the next one behind Joel and Kraft who has really now transformed his career under Eddie Howe. I mean this time twelve months ago if we're talking about Miggy how we're talking about him now, you know, a lot of people would have thinking would be going mental. So um really really good from Joel and see that you know that sort of leadership I thought Miggy is just we need to just bottle whatever he's feeling right now because he's you know he's playing really 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 well and and he's very very confident at the minute I mean two or three minutes in that game on Saturday he's cutting inside he's whipping a fantastic shot towards goal he was driving at the Brentford defence with real purpose rather than just running down a blind alley um and, and John Steele here in the comment, I, I, I don't want to lose this comment because he, he wrote a few minutes ago, he said, what were your thoughts on Murphy? Now, credit where it's due, I think Murphy's been better the last two games. Last We've given game him a lot of stick. Um, you know, most of the fan base has thought, you know, he doesn't really have a future at the club. He's been thrown in for the last two games and I actually thought, you know, he was he was much, much better on Saturday.
0: Really good to see him get a goal. And it, it's been refreshing to see these players who really needed goals, yeah. getting them. And, first of all, absolute selfless from Callum Wilson yeah. to square that. Brilliant, yeah. And then, you know, Murphy's got to, I mean, I have to say, in that moment it was going to Murphy, I was thinking he's going he's gonna to put this, he's, he's, well, he's not going to dink it. It was he's, like that, it was like
1: that <laughs> Torres spell, wasn't it, where he oh, took it around the keeper the, and put it wide and he just thought he's never going to score. With the
0: legs, never in doubt, yeah. but just on Miggy. I mean, look, it's no secret that I'm one of his biggest fans. The, the, Member of the fan club, yeah. yeah. Um, I am taking applications for the Everything is Black and White podcast, Miguel Almir on fan club. (laughs) I'm nearly at air capacity. Um, And you're right, you know, right from the start, he was just up for that game. But what I absolutely loved on Saturday was every time the ball goes out, especially in the first half, he's running over, he's picking it up, he wants to take the early throw. And, you know, he just wanted to keep the game going and going. And that's... I would think, installed in him by Eddie Howe is, you know, let's not have too many breaks in play unless we really need it. But just, Almiron just he just wanted the game to continue. He wanted the ball all the time as well, which is so refreshing to see. And the important thing is is now we're seeing end product. We are seeing him actually doing some and you mentioned there the cutting on the left foot. How many times have we seen him cut in on the left foot and then take one touch too many? Or pass it. Or pass it when he should shoot and not have that confidence. And the difference is the confidence. It's as simple as that. He is on this wave of confidence. And do you know what? That shot there, if it had blazed high into the laser's end, I wouldn't have actually minded. Because what I want to see him doing, and what I want to see with Joe Willick as well, drive forward, but then don't get the box and, and, and lose your legs. Take a shot at goal. If it goes wide, it goes wide. If, you know, one of these will go in, it's better than then passing it sideways and then you know,
1: losing the attack. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the one thing we've criticized, maybe on me, you know, I will hold my hands up more than anyone has probably said, um, he needs to improve his finishing and his, and his end product. And he has, you know, and look, anyhow, touching it earlier this week, he more than anyone is a big confidence player. You know, he needs to be on that good run. Um, and look, he's done more than enough to keep his spot on this team. Now we've spent weeks talking about they need another attacker and they need another thing in. If he can continue this form into the World Cup, it makes it means there's not as much pressure on the club to sign a right midfielder in January for me. Another day is here
0: and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Important that he got a goal, I think, against Brentford because what we've seen is we've seen him score before and then he goes on another run of not scoring and it didn't matter how Came on Saturday, whether it was that absolute you know, world even effort that the keeper produced a great save, or whether it was the way you know he, he got his goal in the end, a mistake by Brentford and he capitalizes on it. It didn't really matter as long as he scored. I felt it was really important that he scored because he just needs that momentum to keep going and going. And then he goes into Manchester United on Sunday, and who's to say he won't get another goal there?
1: It was a brilliant stat that I saw on Saturday night, and it's that Miggie's now he's now got four goals this season for Newcastle and he's matched his best-ever goal-scoring season in a Newcastle shirt with four goals. It took him 34 games to reach it in 2019. It took him 36 games to reach it last season. I mean, you know, it's proof now he's done it in nine games. He's clearly improving at a rate of knots. Um, And we just need to hope, you know, that it isn't another false dawn that we've seen with Miggy. As you said, he scored last season against Palace. We all thought, right, he's going to end the season on a a real high and he just doesn't back it up. But he looks a different player, he he does. And I think, you know what it is, he had a fantastic pre-season. A really good pre-season with uh, Eddie Howe, who spent a lot of time working on his game. And you thought, right, he's had this brilliant preseason. let's see him back it up. And to his credit, so far, he has.
0: What was really interesting to see is the way they pressed Brentford you know Eddie Howe has clearly done the homework and right from the off they were just in Brentford's face and you could see Brentford just were not comfortable with it and two goals came from Newcastle's pressing and the effort the likes of Murphy and Miron Wilson put in to put the the frighteners on Brentford was, was really really something special and you've got, a, you know, their the fitness levels and just, you know, mentally as well, to be that in sync with each other and to know what you have to do, it's just huge credit to Eddie Howe for laying out exactly where he wants the players and then credit the players for following the instructions.
1: The team intensity you see now when Eddie Howe talks about it all the time, you know, intensity is our identity and all this, but every time Brentford have the ball in their own half, you know, there's, they don't have a minute to, to get on the ball. Um, Pressing from the front, Wilson, Murphy. And someone's mentioned in the comment here about Longstaff and, and about him not being up to the level. And he wants to know our thoughts. I think Longstaff in possession is sometimes sloppy. I think when it comes to that side of the game, I don't think he's quite at the level. He's nowhere near Bruno. He's probably not as good as Willick. But one thing I really do like about Longstaff, and I think the reason he keeps getting in this team is because a bit like Miggy, he's always grafting. And he's he's for me, I think he's the player in the midfield... That does the hassling and that you know he he hurries players, he hurries the opposition, and I think if you're going to have one positive for Sean Long's game, I think that's it. And I know you're shaking your head here, but I do think that's his his best quality.
0: I would love for him to find a real, real good level. I just don't see it happening. I think you know he played all right against Brentford, uh, you know, and he he did well against Fulham, but. I just don't think he's at the level going forward, and and you, I think I think his future in that start eleven was always going to depend on Willick finding form. I think now Willick's found the form. Joe Linton will probably come in and replace Longstaff, and yeah. and then you have Bruno with Willick, because I, for me, Joe Linton's been the most consistent performer this season. So you know he was only kept out of the the team really because. Of how well they performing against Fulham, and we know Eddie Howe doesn't really like change a, a, a losing side. But then, if you look at the players who didn't quite reach the level on Saturday, and you don't want to pick on anyone, but for me it was Longstaff and Dan Byrne And I think if you're picking your strongest eleven, and everyone's fit, then you know you go you, you will go Bruno, you will go Joe Linson and then you probably I mean people might even say Shelby, but I, in terms of the the pecking order. I mean, for me, Longstaff is behind Willick, yeah. Shelby, and then obviously Bruno and, and, and Joel Linton.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I, and, I, and I don't think that, you know, my praise for him isn't me saying that. I think he should be in this team. And I think as soon as Joe Linton's back and fully up to speed, I think Willick, uh, sorry Longstaff is the one to drop out. I agree with you on that. It's such a shame because Longstaff has these sort of spells, a bit like Miggy did last season where he has a couple of games where you think, yeah, this is the form I really want to see. Last season against Arsenal, he was brilliant towards the end of the season. He was brilliant at Burnley on the last game of the season. He's had a couple of games this season, you know, he was good against Liverpool. But then he just doesn't back it up. And he's had a really, really big chance in the earlier part of this season to really stake a claim. I don't think he's done enough. No, he he hasn't. And I think the difference between him and Willock in recent games is that Willock's really said, Right. Jolton's coming back soon. Shelby's back in training soon. I need to step it up. And Willock, the last two games, I thought I thought he's better against Fulham than he was against Brentford. But I think over two games, he, he performed well. Oh, I think yeah. he outperformed Longstaff. Um, and I just don't think Longstaff's taken that opportunity. And I think look, Longstaff's had the opportunity to move away from the club. He hasn't taken it. Eddie Howe's given him this new contract, but I think Longstaff's future at the club is being a squad player who
0: fills in when other midfielders aren't fit. Dan Byrne is another one I mentioned there who I felt was really sloppy in possession. I he was getting outpaced at times. You know he, he did what he needed to do, but I was not I was not impressed at all with him. And I I do wonder. It's a question I'll put you out, is, is whether the likes of Longstaff and Dan Burn, as hard as they might try to block it out they know that they have to be performing 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 to keep out uh, my target at left back and then one of those midfielders we've mentioned they know that they're not first choice and I just wonder if that's starting to creep into into the games a little bit maybe or is that a bit unfair
1: I, I don't think I would put Burn in the same category as Longstaff because I, I think has ben, has ben missed a game this season I'm not actually sure one. he has yeah, I, one I game. Think he hasn't
0: started one
1: because I think, look, Botman's been fantastic. I thought he was really good again on, on Saturday. I thought he steadied himself after a bit of a nervy start. But I think you could still make the argument that Byrne would sometimes start above him. I think Eddie Howes said that in, in previous press conferences, that he really does rate Byrne and he likes the partnership him and Cher have got. Saturday, I didn't think he was he was at his best. I thought he was quite sloppy in possession Um which is where Target sort of excels. You know, he, he's he's very very good at getting attacks going down that left. Um, David Ellison said here in the comments, would you start Longstaff instead of Burn? And I think, sorry, Longstaff instead of Burn, Target instead of Burn. Sorry, and I think
0: I would if they both fit at left back. I think you go Target. Um, but I don't think you. I, I, but I think then Burns on the bench. I don't think you start in place of Botman or, or share.
1: Yeah, I think. Look, yeah, probably. I think if they're all fit, I think that would be my back four in the sense that Botman and Cher partner each other at the back and then we've got target left back. But I think before Saturday, I don't think Burns really put a foot wrong this season. No, he hasn't. And, and, and I think it's... And and look, it's obviously every it's always recency bias, isn't it? And he has a bad game. You think, how oh, well is he at the level? But I actually think he's had a really good start this season. He, he wasn't at his best on Saturday and but he's been put into that left back position um and well Thomas Black has put made a good point there. He will have off days, but when was the last time we had a back line that was so big and it's true, I think he's had a good start of the season. He wasn't at his best Saturday. And if Target's back up to speed and back to full fitness, he should probably come back in against well, Manchester
0: that, United. Yeah, I mean I agree. He's had a he's had a good season, uh start of the season and I, I just made the points and, and try and delve a little bit deeper into it because of the fact that if Target is fit, you know, you, you then do you asked the question and my point being is that if target is fit you then look at how Byrne performed on Saturday and it was an off day do you treat it in isolation or do you go over the whole of the season or you know who's, who's first choice left back is probably the question I mean
1: I, I would say it's Matt Target I think he is I think one um one question that we were talking about in the, in the press area before the game was Dummit and Jamal Lewis must be looking at this thinking, what on earth can we do? Because Dan Burns has been shifted out there the last two games um, when Target has been in there. I think if it comes to push comes to shove, I think Target's the first choice left back. Um, it, we're just not too sure if he can sort of overcome this recent injury that he's picked up.
0: It's just nice to be talking about decent options though isn't it
1: yeah 100 look Burns came in and had and had a really good spell at left back I think you can see why Graham Potter and um used him there so much at Brighton um a brilliant option to have but I think Saturday showed you that it's not his natural position where
0: he shines more I think it's it's clear that he's a centre-back by trade and Steve Hinton there asks can he send anywhere way back for the I, I mean to be fair he, but was there against Liverpool, wasn't he? And I thought he had a decent enough game. I think we'll probably see him maybe in cup games, unless there's injuries or suspensions. I, I can't see him, you know, Austin, share, Bottomen, you know, or, or burning that centre back role. And it's just all about what he wants to do next, I guess, in his 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 career. Does he you know does he remain and want to be part of it and play every now and then? Or does he go and, and, and you know, find some first-team football for the remains of his career?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Look, I thought, he, credit where it's due, I thought he came in against Liverpool. Everyone thought it was going to be a pasting, and he did really, really well. He was, had a very, very assured performance. But I don't think, you know, there's any will that he comes back in and plays so well that he keeps share or botman or burn out the team. So I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It just depends what he wants to do. There was lots of talk in the summer about, you know, how Nottingham Forest seemed like the fairy tale move from going back to that. They club. They don't sign that many players, do they? <laughs> yeah, too. Well, I'm surprised he didn't get in that team given the sign twenty two others. But um yeah, I, I don't think there's any way he comes back into this first team unless, you know, there's injuries or, or other resting players
0: for the Cup. Got John Askew there saying that he love he'd love Murphy to move his game up to the next level, but not sure he can do it. I hope he can. Yep, I hope to I hope as well. It'd be great to see you at another Newcastle United supporter uh, you know make it at Newcastle United and just on going back to the, the discussion about centre backs there what was really impressive is that for the large part they kept Ivan Tony quiet and you know he is a fantastic player you know if he ended up back at Newcastle in the summer I don't think anyone would would complain at that he's strong he's quick he just knows where the goal is and you know Early on, first five ten minutes, he won a few headers, and you you were starting to think, oh goodness me, because those first headers are really important. You know, you as a centre back, you want to win the first couple of headers, the couple of aerial duels. And Tony, to his credit, seemed to beat them in the air. But after that, they were just you know they were just strong around him. They were they were you know close to him, not letting him turn. Uh, and to keep someone of his level quiet, you know you'll you'll take that. Yeah, definitely.
1: I thought he, um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I think there was just that first 15, 20 minute period before Brentford scored where you just weren't too sure which way the game was going to go. And I thought he started the game well. Him and Mbwemo really linked up well up top for Brentford. Um, but yeah, really, really, I thought Botman was really, really good against him. He didn't give him a, an inch. Um, unlucky to concede the penalty, I thought, you know, Dan Byrne didn't really know much about it. But um Tony just seems to have this weird knack of scoring penalties. He's got a really weird technique where he doesn't where really take a run up but and he gets loads see, of penalty. See, he, he seems it, to have
0: taken another step back of the, he, he Yeah, definitely I was expecting him to take the the, the shortest of run ups, but yeah. he seemed to take an extra couple of steps. But, but
1: yeah, look works. really good penalty. Um you know a lot of players a lot of people will say that you know, it was a mistake to get rid of him but you know i don't yeah, think yeah, anybody anybody would thing, s- anybody saw him becoming this good of a player but yeah really good to see that he didn't really have things his own way on Saturday.
0: um so comments there steve saying for me tony is is like a wilson player for me uh, what did you make of wilson on on saturday i thought he looked a little quiet he very nearly scored it was a a good effort and you know, he did the running, and, but I didn't think he was at the level that he can be. But I guess, you know, he's still... He's, he, can, he, can he really be match Sharp?
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought he did okay. I thought, look, we've, we've touched on it. He did brilliant for the, for the second goal for Murphy. Um, but there was a moment in the second half where Trippy had that lovely free kick over the top and he held off his man. And on another day, he'd always be hitting the target and he didn't. You know, he wasted a good chance in the first half when... Murphy and Miggy were sort of asking it and he went alone and his shot was blocked. Look, we're so used to Callum Wilson being one of those players that always performs really well. Um, and I think all of a sudden when he doesn't play up to that level, we're all sort of taking it back. It was quite unusual. But I, but I thought he, um, you know, his team play was good. He linked up well. And, and look, it was just one of those days where it didn't work in, in front of goal for him.
0: Hmm. And when Bruno scored his second goal, that, that long range drive, Willick inadvertently took out Wilson and there was a moment where my heart sunk because he went down and it took a little while to get out he didn't get involved in celebrations and for a little while after that he was he was rubbing his knee i think it was and i'm thinking oh goodness me so even though he's had a quiet day i'm still thinking that sitting there thinking please please don't be uh, don't be injured
1: every time he went down even if it was just for th- for 3 or 4 seconds every time he went down you just hold your breath, don't you? Because you think you might not get up yeah. And I think we're so used to him going down and, and struggling with these injuries that we just want to wrap him in cotton wool. Um so yeah, look, we need to try and keep him fit. I think it's good that he um you know, he didn't play a full game. So yeah, fingers yeah. crossed.
0: Um let me point you guys in the direction of our takeover special podcast in case you haven't heard it. I got together a group of fans who answered a few questions on the last 12 months of the current ownership. We're going to stop calling it new ownership because it's been a year and we're, we need to stop calling it new. Um Some really great answers. It was a discussion between me and Aaron with uh, the, the the view of these fans thrown into into the podcast. So that'll be on the podcast channel. Please do tune in. Um I, I, I hope it gives a nice rounded view of uh, the last twelve months, the controversy of Saudi ownership or co Saudi ownership, as well as all the, the you know the, the positive aspects of things that have happened in the last twelve months, the sign-ins, Eddie Howe, the community involvement from the club's owners. So loads discussed. Uh, please do give that a listen. Um, the return of answer, Maxman. Yeah.
1: Um Good to see that he got a couple of minutes on the belt. I thought, you know, he's back to his usual self, picking the ball up, looking dangerous down that left channel. Um, There was a moment when he sent, I don't know
0: who it was, but he he sent uh, sent sent someone someone for the cleaners, didn't he?
1: Yeah. Yeah, look, it was good to see that he's back and his confidence hasn't taken a knock. He was driving at players, cutting inside, really, really good. And, And someone made the point earlier in the comments, sorry, I'm not sure who it was, but if he's back up to speed and he's fully fit, I think you've got to throw him back in from the start against. Oh, I think he'd have
0: a lot of fun against Manchester United. Yeah, you? same. Cause cause I he think he seems to raise his game against the so-called top sides. And I
1: think when you look at how you know defensively fraught United, Manchester United have been at the back at times this season. Um, you know, Dalo and and Shaw and and Malassia don't look too settled at the minute. Um, I think you know they could potentially cause some damage. At all Trafford on Sunday with, with him and Miggy in the form. Hmm.
0: Joel Linson, we briefly discussed it, but he you know, he came on to the pitch and I thought pretty much just you know, picked up where he left off, really.
1: Yeah, decent performance. You know, it was interesting to see that he got put on at left wing at first, you knowing attack. I think that was probably just to shore up the team a bit and give them a bit more um defence from the front. I thought it was good, good to see that he came through it unscathed. Um I think both of them were probably, you know given what we spoke about with Eddie Howe after the game. I think they were both fit enough to start, but Eddie Howe, you know, we know he doesn't like to take too many risks and he'll have wanted them both to just um, be wrapped in cotton wool. But yeah, I could imagine them, you know, touch wood if they don't suffer any setbacks this week. They'll be back in from the start at Old Trafford.
0: Mm. And uh, I mentioned for for War Flags, they went ambitious, they went big, didn't quite come off, but, you know, you've got to give them credit for trying something new and something different. Uh, That yellow ticker, didn't didn't quite work as as they pleased, but the effort they went into they've been planning that for the last couple of weeks and the banner that went over the Gallagher looked excellent. Nice to see the Chronicles front page um on a part of it. Um what did you make of it?
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it was good. I, I, you know, as we touched on I, it, was a shame to see the yellow ticker didn't work as it good. I thought the talk spot line was good though. Um and I think, you know, it it, it was a good idea. And look, I think it was just good to have war flags back, mainly, because we saw, obviously, before the... It wasn't
0: just the 12-month anniversary of new ownership, it was the 12-month, you know, return yeah. of war flags. Yeah, and I think
1: we saw against Bournemouth um, when war flags weren't there because of the Queen's passing, you know, it didn't really help the atmosphere, whereas when they're, they're at the game and
0: everyone's got the flags, it does help the team. So, yeah, I, I, thought, it, I thought it was a good display. Yeah. Um, We'll finish then on uh, talking about Alexander Isak. We've got Dan Kane there asking, do we think we'll see Isak and Wilson on the field together? I would say probably not against Manchester United. I think Roger Cook makes an excellent point as well. You know, if the team's, if it's not fixed, or, if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it with, you know, he's talking about the the, the, the team there. So I, I don't think we'll maybe see many changes. I know we've just seen Alan Alan St. maximum, but, you know, can you see... Too many changes against Manchester United, really? If
1: any, I think there'll be a couple of changes, but not too many. As we've said earlier in the show, I don't think Eddie Howe likes to change a winning team, does he? Um, which is probably why we saw no changes on Saturday. Isaac, from what we know, he, he's back running on grass, but he hasn't actually, you know, trained fully with the team yet. There's a hope that he can get back into sort of a group training session this week. Knowing Eddie Howe and how cautious he is with injuries like this, I don't think we'll see him at Manchester United. Definitely not from the start. Um, and then obviously, I mean, we've had this conversation to death already, but when he's fully fit, it's then interesting to see what he does. Does he partner him with Wilson? Does he replace Wilson? Does he have him out on the right? Um, but I don't think that's a question that we'll be uh, having not answer before Sunday.
0: I've got a comment here from uh, Evand, who is a, a Norwegian Newcastle United fan. He emailed uh, me with a question or rather a comment on Alexander Isaac. So I'll just read it out, Aaron, and then you can... Uh, jump in and, and, and try and answer his his comment slash question. Um, so about this about Isaac's goal scoring record. When you look at it last season and compare it to the season before, you have to remember Martin Odegaard went to Arsenal. Uh, uh, sorry with it, yeah. So um, after a couple of seasons of being loaned out, he finally got the level at La Liga and give Isaac tremendous support. He's talking about Odegaard there his level of feeding the strikers in the La Liga uh, can in some way be compared to De Bruyne's level in the Premier League. Isak needs someone to feed him, understand his movements so that he can get the ball inside of the box. So essentially saying that Isak from to score goals needs someone like Odegaard or, or De Bruyne. Is there anyone in that Newcastle United side currently that you think can link up nicely with Isak, I guess is the question there from... Yeah,
1: definitely. Look, I mean, I don't think they've got someone of De Bruyne's standard in their midfield currently, but um, I certainly think once he's had a couple of games under his belt with Bruno, Bruno, Bruno Trippier, Maxi, I think those are the three players where you look at them and think, once Isaac starts playing with those um, types of players, I think... You know, that's when we're going to see the best of him. We spoke to Eddie Howe recently about Isaac and about his performances, and he says that he's still very much getting up to speed with the English game. He's very much getting up to speed with how Newcastle United play. And I think the teammates are still figuring out actually where he wants the ball, where he's going to make the runs. There's a couple of times in the home games where I've just sort of taken a minute to watch him, and he thinks about making a run, and trip, yeah, our target hasn't spotted it. So, And you've got to remember, Newcastle have been so blighted with injuries that he hasn't actually played many games with well, he hasn't played anywhere with Wilson he hasn't he played with Maxi Obruno you know enough to really make a decision so um, I think once you know we get him back with the big players that I've been missing in previous weeks I think that's when we'll see the best of him.
0: yeah it's going to be an interesting one um, wow Newcastle winning 5-1 I did have a question for you actually when was the last time Newcastle scored five goals at home do we know I I um,
1: Oh, is this you asking me? You're I'm not going to tell you. me. I mean, it can't be Sunderland 5-1, can it, Halloween? No, and
0: Newcastle did beat Spurs, didn't they?
1: Yeah. Oh, the relegation so, season, yeah.
0: If anyone knows the answer to that, let us know. I think it must have been
1: that.
0: Yeah, the uh, it was the last
1: game, wasn't it, when yeah. they'd already been relegated. Yeah, that's probably Maybe in the championship season.
0: No, we'll, n- we'll, disc- we'll discount the championship season. And the last time they scored this many goals in two consecutive games was back in 2009. That was number one. It went, when, yeah, when I said Bobby, was Yeah, it, it was
1: Bobby, yeah. They've never scored two, four goals in back-to-back games. Yeah, look at that. Games.
0: We were right. We yeah. were right. It was Spurs. Yeah. Thank you for the answers there, Billy and, and El Stadleton. Well, that was my final actual home game before I get married. I've been banned from going to mass gatherings for the next few weeks, except my actual wedding. <laughs> so, Nice to go out on a high. Thanks yeah. uh, to uh, Eddie and Bruno for for, for doing yeah, that.
1: I think they they've listened to the podcast and they realised it was going to be your last home game and thought we need to we need to put on a show for, for last Muscov, home game yeah.
0: until twenty twenty
1: three. Really, really, oh, of course, yeah, World Cup. So I'm not around for New Year. you, yeah. Oh, that's that's a long time for you to not be at the games, isn't it? Are you sure Lil can't let you go to the last one before yeah. the win uh,
0: Unfortunately, it's all sold out as well. Yeah, that's off. the support that you United have got yes thanks to tune kind of phrase since spurs last game of the season when we were relegated Mitro got the goal also got sent off um as usual with a young Mitro. but thank you guys for tuning in to everything is black and white podcast uh, we do appreciate it, as always please remember to like and follow the podcast either on our youtube channel or give the facebook page a like um or if you are listening on the podcast channel give us a, a follow and subscribe um and yeah, we shall bring you all you need to know about Newcastle Night over on Chronicle Live. Talk Thank you very much for tuning in.